Hi everyone, I'm Chelsea Brown, and welcome to the Millie Podcast. The more I talk with people, the more I'm hearing the same thing. We're all looking for more meaning and more substance. People want to get away from the scripted reality and get to the heart of each person's story. This podcast is for women who want to rip up the script and explore new ideas, places, and possibilities. Every two weeks, I'll be talking with an inspiring and inspired woman who is creating impact in her community. And more importantly, a woman who can teach us to be ourselves, go after our dreams, and write our own story. I can't wait to share this journey with you. It's time to see the world in a different way. Within the context of clothing, the makers are extremely important, especially today where we have this globalization. We don't know anymore where the product is made, uh, by who, and it's extremely important to know what you, you wear that is ethically made. My guest today is Zoleika Sherzad, founder and creative director of Zarif Design, an Afghan fashion brand based in New York City, Paris, and Kabul. Within the context of right now, Afghanistan, uh, you know, there is a sector uh, of uh, the population that are still have that old century uh, skills and crafts that are so precious. When Zolay was 11 years old, her family fled Afghanistan and became political refugees in Switzerland. Zoli graduated from the School of Architecture in Lausanne, practicing architecture in Switzerland, Japan, and New York City, where she was a professor at the Pratt Institute of Architecture. We had to leave Afghanistan because of the war. Uh, as many families, people left for Pakistan, people left for Iran. Despite this hardship, despite those challenges, uh, there, was a, there was people there out there that assist me. During this time of heightened creative output and professional accolades and success, her thoughts and her heart kept coming back to Afghanistan. In 2000, she founded the School of Hope, a not-for-profit that sponsors education in Afghanistan. And in 2005, Zoleh returned to Afghanistan to launch Zarif Design. Zarif is really creating this connection with the people uh, who are the makers and uh, in which context those makers are producing uh, uh, these products. What are their needs? What are the importance for them? Zarif Design uses fashion with ethical values to connect and empower communities of weavers, tailors, and embroiderers to help revive tradition, shape the future, and restore the sense of dignity, pride, and confidence that Zoleh has always associated with Afghan culture. It's through the products that we tell the stories. By just being creative and being empowered by this uh, practice. Thank you very much again for joining us. It's such a pleasure to speak with you today, Zoleh. So let's start at the beginning. Why did you create Zarif? Um, Zarif was uh, born out of uh, uh, a desire to give back uh, to Afghanistan. Um, I left Afghanistan at the age of uh, 10, 11. And uh, uh, after 30 years, uh, almost, I would say at that time in 2001, um, I really felt the need to um, to give back uh, to this country that I left. And uh, it came out of a project uh, that was started in 2005 um, after really going and visiting Afghanistan. Uh, it was uh, a project that was related to um empowering uh, a group of artisans, giving them back a sense of dignity, a sense of, um, uh, of, of uh, 
integrity and uh, identity. Therefore, I feel uh, in that sense, ethical fashion for me is a fashion that has ethics, that has values. Fashion for me was a mean to build all those um, relationships and create those chain value between uh, the weaver to the uh, to the tailor uh, until to the market. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about ethical fashion and what elements have you incorporated into your designs with Zarif? Today, um, uh, even with COVID and all of that, I think people are much more conscious and I think it's extremely important to know the, the, uh, what you, you wear that is ethically made, uh, that is, uh, you know, climately, it's not um, being an issue uh, for, for the world. It's very important to be able to revive those traditional, um, you know, the fibers, for example, the silk, the cotton, uh, natural dyes, all of that is, uh, it's, uh, it's a renewal almost for many uh, brands uh, to go back to uh, and have this uh, connection that is uh, a direct connection to the makers. I think uh, even, you know, in the U.S., uh, people are trying to see how they can connect uh, closer to, to the makers. So um, that's why I feel like it's very important uh, today to really have this awareness about uh, who are the makers and uh, in which context those makers are uh, are uh, producing uh, uh, these products. What are their needs? What are the importance for them? Yes. Oh my gosh! Absolutely. Now, what does Zarif mean? Zarif means fine precious. Uh, when you describe uh, something that is very intricate and uh, fine, fine work, uh, we say it zarifas. Uh, it's a, it's a work of zarif. So for me, that was so kind of self-evident that I wanted to reach to that quality when something is delicate and precious. Uh, it was a goal um, as a start, uh, looking for that. So that's why I called it. Uh, the brand Zarif. This might seem like an obvious question, but how does what we purchase or decide to wear make a difference? Uh, It's huge. I think uh, uh, it's huge in the sense that um, it really empowers uh, a group of people. And I think uh, this mode of exchange, uh, if we start even with food, it's a relationship with uh, nature, with the environment. It's really an exchange. Uh, I think clothing, uh, it's an exchange between um, yourself and your environment. Um, in that sense, um, the the makers in the in the uh, in within the context of clothing, uh, the makers are extremely important, especially today where we have this globalization. We don't know anymore where the product is made uh, by who. And uh, uh, I feel like um, uh, within you know the work of Zarif is really creating this connection with the people on um, that product carries not only um, uh, you know uh, uh, the shape of of, what, of your body, but it has more. It has really uh, as the story of those people, uh, uh, the, those artisans are 
spending their days, uh, their weeks, and their life in creating something that is uh, uh, as much valuable for their empowerment, their economy, but also something that is beautiful, that is done with care and love. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit more about the artisans who bring Zarif designs to life? Who are the faces behind maybe the war-torn country of Afghanistan? Yes, Zarif has been uh, very lucky in a way to be able to work with different uh, almost layers uh, within the fashion industry. Uh, Like, you know, we have that opportunity to work directly with the makers of the fabrics. And I think that was for me quite an important part to be able to really go uh, to the yarn and design the colors and, uh, you know, really meet those weavers and uh, understand that practice that is century old practice that connects us to... um, Central Asia, it's something so precious that is uh, endangered right now because of, uh, you know, uh, globalization, because of the, 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 the market, the way it is right now, unfortunately. Uh, the handmade is much more, uh, you know, it takes more time, it's slower, it's, uh, it's more expensive as well. Um, it's done by hand. Uh, so I think to really be able to see this process so closely on, on a human level and spend time with them and be able to discuss color and dyes, being able to really um, uh, uh, create a community of tailors, embroiderers, and weavers, uh, it's it's by itself it's a world uh, it's like it's humanity it's people that uh, it's not really anymore about the product it's through the products that we tell the stories by just being creative and being empowered by this uh, practice actually talking about collaborations you have many ambassadors and many global supporters and one that i'd love to talk to you about is deepak chopra So how did you connect with such a global figure and how does it feel to see him wearing your clothes? Uh, Yeah, Deepak Chopra. I have met him um, a couple of years ago through another friend of mine um, who has been wearing uh, Zarif clothes. And I think he he mentioned something about the clothes. Anyway, I was able, I got the chance to do a couple of pieces for him. And since then, he has been really supportive. Uh, First of all, he's an inspiring um, man, inspiring uh, being. Um, He has been very supportive uh, throughout those past few years by wearing the clothes and, you know, ordering jackets. And and recently I made a request uh, and uh, he kindly accepted by uh, making a personal post on his Instagram. Uh, and I'm hoping to build uh, more of that kind of relationship with people that are out there that have uh, a similar um, message of uh, coming together, building peace. Uh, in the case of Sarif, it's really how do I build peace locally in Afghanistan through this brand, but also um, a cultural exchange on understanding through, um, through the brand uh, awareness and uh, so um, I am really looking forward to meeting more individuals that are um, that could be ambassadors uh, for Zarif, uh, wearing a piece, uh, speaking about uh, the story behind, about the artisans, about the women embroiderers, and what it takes to do that piece that they are wearing, and uh, and how much important it is for them as well to be part of a reconstruction 
of a country like Afghanistan on a smaller scale, how valuable it is, um, all this work in a way. What is your creative process? What inspires you? The creative uh, process, I think uh, it really, for me, it happens when I'm in Afghanistan uh, during my travels. It is by uh, finding already elements that it, that are existing. You know, either it's a vintage piece of embroidery or it is it's a vintage piece of fabric. And uh, it's, for me, the process of almost rediscovering what's out, what's there and recreating something slightly different. You know, the relationships are different. Uh, it's not probably the same shape of coat. Um, uh, so it is really, it's being inspired by what's already there. Uh, it could be a painting, it could be a miniature painting that I love the color combination or uh, that I bring back, or it could be calligraphy uh, work that I bring to uh, to the clothing, um, using embroidery and flowers, how nature has been important in our culture, in all culture, how how human being has always tried to uh, represent uh, nature and uh, kind of uh, re-representing it in a different way, you know, with all those uh, flowers that I use for the coats on a larger scale, for example. So the process is really working with the material that is out there, then speaking with the artisans, creating something that makes sense um, and has a story behind. One of your missions for Zarif was to build a bridge between the West and the East and change any misconceptions about the Middle East and Afghanistan specifically. How do you think fashion can achieve this? On a personal level, uh, as I mentioned, that I left Afghanistan at my early age, Naturally, I wanted to connect these two worlds because uh, I was uh, lucky to be able to study abroad and build uh, a career and be able to uh, learn uh, about this culture that I am living right now. And there was a desire for me to connect to Afghanistan that was beyond the media, beyond the space of civil war. Uh, so um, on, I think the fact that day I jumped on the other side, saying, okay, I will take the leap and go to Afghanistan to discover it for myself, uh, I really saw uh, a, a, another another window about uh, this country. Uh, it was about the people. It wasn't really anymore about the politics. And I think Afghanistan has been also, also confined right now with this Middle East that is defined by war and terror. Unfortunately, um, we have forgotten about Afghanistan and Afghanistan is part of Central Asia, about a culture. Um, it was part of the Silk Road that once uh, brought the silk uh, from China or to uh, to Venice or uh, the color blue from the, the which is the stone lapis lazuli that was uh, uh, taken to you know all the way to Europe. Uh, so those are very important uh, aspects that we need to revive today because um, unfortunately, with globalization again, uh, to be able to connect so fast to different worlds, but not be able to connect on a human uh, level, uh, it becomes uh, a problem. Absolutely. For those of us who can't physically be in Afghanistan, can you take us back to what it was like, I guess from what you remember, um, living there when you were 
11 and younger? Um, you know, it's very subjective uh, in a way if you ask me or ask somebody else. But what I remember myself personally, it was um, a landscape that was much more peaceful. I remember, you know, almost the nature, the flowers, the perfume of the flowers, the gardens. Uh, there was a sense of peace um, that I felt. Of course, uh, you know, uh, the, there was probably issues uh, between uh, the urban life and the provinces and all of that. But um, Afghanistan was a country that was open. Uh, that was uh, a passage again in the 60s, 70s. Um, a culture that was inclusive. Uh, so, um, yes, this is what I remember. It's a fragment of moments of uh, spaces and images. Wow. Can you talk to me about your experience fleeing Afghanistan at age 11 with your family and growing up in Switzerland, a country that would appear to be the opposite of Afghanistan? Once uh, we had to leave Afghanistan because of the war, uh, as many families, people left for Pakistan, people left for, we had to transition. We went first to Iran, where we, there was another coup, and we had to leave again Iran as well. So um, coming to Switzerland uh, was a total, you know, uh, again, uh, a shock from from where we are, we were. Uh, but in a way, I feel like, again, we were very um, lucky to be able to be in a more peaceful country where I was able to focus on my studies and uh, have the basic, um, you know, needs and security and safety. Um, but nevertheless, uh, within that context of um, uh, a safe place, there was a lot of challenges of learning a new language, uh, learning from you know ABC at the age of 11, 12 uh, was uh, was extremely difficult and uh, having a whole you know especially for the generation of my uh, grandparents and who have lost everything to find themselves, in a different context, I think it was, uh, uh, I saw through their eyes what we lost. As a child, you know, <clears throat> you kind of uh, live uh, those experiences through um, through the uh, your grandparents or your parents. Mm -hmm. So um, I kind of took refuge to my studies and school that was that became kind of the heaven uh, because there was too much challenges within the family to just to re um, adjust yourself to a different culture and different uh, world. Uh, yeah, it was challenging, but that's also uh, that time that kind of built me uh, who I am today in a way uh, to be able to use those skills and do something that was that is meaningful for me. When you were just you know, a kid going through this, was there something that, something specific that got you through it? Uh, for me, it's the hope that I really saw that there was uh, the, you know, despite this hardship, despite those challenges, uh, there was, uh, there was people there out there that assist me. And, uh, um, you know, there was a group of teachers, the school was there to, to be the home for me. And, um, uh, the first project that I started in Afghanistan in 2000, in fact, before Zarif, which was 2005, was to create uh, an organization called School of Hope. So it brought me so much to be able to find that safe space to project uh, a future for myself that I felt like if I needed in a country like Switzerland, 
uh, how how important was it for the Afghan uh, this young generation, which is the future of Afghanistan. Uh, so I really felt the need uh, to to do something. Uh, the, that experience really created the space for me to project on uh, uh, on I found people that were there to support me uh, into that dream um, mm-hmm. as a child and therefore I I, mean, I think throughout my life I was able to look for that uh, opportunity or for that uh, possibility. Mm-hmm. What was it like seeing your parents rebuild you know their life in Switzerland from what they had always known in Afghanistan? Uh, I found it uh, extremely challenging because uh, uh, the culture context is very different. Um, the systems are very different. Again, I think this is something that is uh, has been going on uh, for many other countries, you know, uh, that have been on war, had to leave. I mean, today we see how much uh, how much uh, you know the life of refugees? We were lucky to not be in, uh, under tents, and um, but uh, it's it's very fragile uh, as a situation as a human being. It uh, it can breaks your you know your your sense of uh, your humanity, you know your dignity. Uh, I think uh, uh, I recall some of my uncles being lawyers, and you know some uh, or other family member doctors, and suddenly losing everything, or having my cousins who who are almost at the level of finishing their studies and coming out with nothing. I was too young to have any degrees, but uh, I, you know, it's it's very difficult, and I think it's important for. The whole world to acknowledge that that uh, those wars, uh, those war creates uh, really a, a gap within that uh, uh, you know society. You suddenly, you lose so many uh, uh, talented people becoming uh, refugees and have to restart all uh, zero. We've collectively gone through a lot of hardship in the past year with COVID nineteen. Nobody wants hardships in their life, but. How does the process of overcoming hardship help rebuild resilience and strength? I mean, again, it's all about your own personal perception of, uh, you know, on your desire to uh, to make it through. When I see that there is really is a resilience within Afghanistan, or well, that is either from uh, my my coworker, that are able to take the risk to come out uh, onto uh, despite the challenges that they have every day, they're able to see beyond that. Um, that they have the courage. Uh, that's why I feel like, you know, hardship becomes an empowerment almost, like, you know, um, mm-hmm. to go beyond uh, that's, uh, that uh, that moment. I think uh, as a human being, we go through those moments of difficulties, of challenges, of fear. I think the fear is the, the, the enemy in a way that uh, keeps us uh, uh, behind. Uh, and also in, in regards to Afghanistan, in regards to the, my experience of meeting Afghans and uh, my workers, to see that they have a faith that is beyond uh, what's happening. You know, they're not caught into um, what's happening in the moment in terms of, you know, politics and changes. They keep looking beyond all of that. And I think that's their faith. How did this experience shape who you are now? and what you value and appreciate. Do you think you would have become a designer if that wasn't your journey? 
Um, strangely, I mean, I, I studied architecture and I felt like architecture was um, uh, had more power to really um, support a society. And from early on, I wanted to do something that was related to the arts, but was able to um, to contribute to a society. So for me, architecture had that power. Once I was in Afghanistan, I really felt the, the challenges of, of architecture within the context of war, destruction, politics, and economy, lack of budget. Um, and I did study fashion. Fashion, I think I was always interested into fashion, into the process of making of textile. Uh, it's the same process that architecture. You work on a 2D and then you create a 3D uh, uh, form uh, that are totally different scales. But um, the same way that architecture, I think uh, clothing is a way to a layer to protect and a layer of identity. So uh, therefore, when I was in Afghanistan, it kind of, kind of came organically, this two uh, architecture on clothing. How could I create this identity that I envisioned for Afghanistan or as a fashion using traditional material, reviving traditional skills and empowering a group of, uh, of artisans? And I felt like it was much more accessible to me to do this work in fashion than architecture. I had access easily to the artisans, um, uh, the weavers or the tailors. And I felt like um, it, the, the, the communication it was more direct, direct and it was more personal. Mm-hmm. What was your transition like from architecture to fashion? Just before I left uh, Afghanistan, I was teaching architecture at Pratt Institute. There was already a transition when I was looking at doing a project that was more humanitarian, which was schools, supporting education. And in that time where I was really kind of assessing what are the options for me to do something more personal, I really, I was, I was, I was struck by the, 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 what was out there in the market. Uh, first of all, I had a hard time to see what was the Afghan fashion or Afghan identity. It wasn't anymore the burqa, which is uh, the veil uh, that woman, mm-hmm. I mean, that wasn't, that wasn't another way of using fashion and such a terrible way to, um, take away all identity of a, of a woman. So in a way, there's this challenge of who we are, how do we present ourselves. Uh, so that became something that was interesting uh, to me, and I wanted to create that uh, that brand that would represent something that was, uh, uh, that was contemporary, but at the same time using traditional uh, skills and traditional material. Yes, certainly. That's incredible. I'd love to learn more about what were your steps between rebuilding your life in Switzerland and teaching architecture at Pratt? And I'd love to know more about what that journey looked like for you. Um, during my uh, studies of architecture, we have a one-year uh, kind, of kind of an internship, a this internship, uh, a gap year that is mandatory. But uh, um, on the you can either do this internship in Switzerland or you can do it in Europe. I decided um, to do uh, this internship this one year, uh, first in Japan and uh, then in New York. I think there was desire of exploring something uh, larger than uh, Switzerland. And I feel like uh, going to Japan really opened up something um, for me personally and the same way uh, New York. With Japan was another way to discover myself 
And uh, uh, once I came in New York, I really found that this place was allowing um, this exploration of who you are. Uh, you know, I was not anymore a refugee. I was, uh, there was so much more than um, that label that I had um, for years to be uh, a refugee in a way. Um, that's where I really, I feel like New York has provided me that space of looking back to Afghanistan to build, um, you know, a, a vision for something that I would have not maybe dared to do it uh, while I was in Switzerland for some reason. I think uh, New York has opened up that dimension uh, being, a, you know, being in a city where there's all those cultures and uh, you don't really, you're not defined by who you are. And that's what I loved about New York. And um, yes. I just want you to know how grateful I am right now to hear your story because so like listening to you share your journey and your story, you're so brave and you have so much courage. What advice would you give anyone right now suffering or finding themselves in a hard position? What advice would you give for give to them to get through it? For me, I mean, personally, I really, through this time of COVID, I saw, um, uh, uh, you know, this kind of common, because we are all going through the same, uh, the same pandemic, the same struggle, there is more compassion. I feel like there has been more collaboration. Um, and uh, that is uh, huge to be able to connect more and I f there is an opportunity for all of us to come together and have um, uh, understanding and support. Uh, so uh, I have been reaching out to other uh, other people, other designers, other uh, Afghans to see how we can all come together, join forces uh, during this time. Uh, we're all probably, uh, we all have a purpose in life but if we can join forces that uh, that becomes i think a, a, a bigger bigger game and a, a probably a, a better solution that kind of uh, rather than duplicating the same thing uh, each of us in our own ways uh, so uh, i i am looking myself personally i think everybody's different for more collaboration more support more understanding on connection uh, it's an opportunity to connect more on a human scale uh, because you know this pandemic is very much on a, on a, on a scale of human in a very physical uh, level um, and uh, there's a power by being all together and uh, listening and connecting uh, on uh, going beyond our differences of cultural language okay this is a silly question if Zarif was a person how would you describe it uh, first of all, I don't see Zarif as a person. Uh, for me, Zarif is about uh, a community. So it's not so much about a person. Uh, it's really about, uh, um, I would say, I see more hands. If I have to describe mm -hmm. Zarif, it's uh, the hands of people um, rather than a figure. I love that. Zole, why is reviving traditional craft so important to a country's cultural identity? Within the context of right now, Afghanistan, uh, the options for employment, uh, for people who have not studied or, um, uh, you know, there is a sector 
uh, of uh, the population that are still working in the fields or in you know weaver, the weavers that are in the north of Afghanistan Mazar there is really uh, a segment of the population that are still have that heritage first of all the valuable the like you know old century uh, skills and crafts that are so precious uh, that uh, uh, with the global market we've uh, we have lost that uh, that value uh, that's the first uh, I think it's very important then it's uh, 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 creating a market that values that and I think we are today I mean even here we go back to slow production we are looking at something that is handmade um, uh, in that, that that aspect is very important for me to revive those traditional skills to empower those people who have been left aside of the society because they were not able to study or they were not able to have other skills uh, to be able to empower them on their new generation give the interest to their son or to daughter to carry that heritage um, there's not many opportunities right right now in Afghanistan for employment uh, for for everyone so I think those uh, the art and crafts are, are huge as uh, as a foundation for the society, but also as a way to um, empower economically the people. I guess to end the conversation, what are your hopes for Zarif? What's next? To share the experience of Zarif almost. I, I mean, that's one of the reasons uh, right, uh, so far I've been lucky to be able to share my work Physically having an uh, exhibition where I meet people, the where on the exchange. The challenge for me is how do I do that now uh, within this new context where we can really uh, meet and share uh, uh, to find a way that people are connected not only by the image on the words, but there is something beyond. Um, so I hope I could uh, create that community as well of uh, uh, friends of Zarif, people who would support us because uh, it's uh, it's extremely challenging right now to uh, maintain the work. Uh, so uh, we're looking for uh, people to um, connect with us through um, the social media or directly uh, through our website. Yes. And how can people get involved? Just by reaching out on social, purchasing Zarif clothing, sharing the story? Each piece that is purchased is supporting uh, back in Afghanistan uh, artisans from the weaver to the tailor to the embroiderers, a whole team. So uh, it is uh, very meaningful and important that I'm able, um, that we're able to create that, uh, that exchange. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's not an NGO, it's not a charity. We're proudly creating uh, a collection that is beautifully done, handmade, and uh, uh, we would like to have people, you know, participating in return um, by um, by their, you know, their desire to uh, purchase them, or support us. Zole, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Chelsea. I can't wait to meet you soon in person and hear more about your story, just the two of us. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, Chelsea. Thank you for joining me for this powerful talk with Soleil. To find out more about her story, Afghanistan, or to purchase a piece from the Zarif collection, please visit zarifdesign.com. 
If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please hit subscribe, share with your friends, and visit us at millie.ca.